Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the (gasps) hell are you? Ah! We're so excited. this This is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. So this is a very special episode of the X-Files Files. It is, well, first of all, I should mention the new series premiered last night. 13.5 million people watched it, so that's a huge hit. Huge hit. Um, you know, there's probably going to be some drop-up for episode two because the football game isn't happening, blah, 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 but that's a phenomenal start. Um, so this episode is about the marathon that I hosted at Cine Family that was so fun and so awesome. And because it's so long, this video, because I kind of talk between the episodes, I sort of almost do stand-up about the X-Files between each episode and also interview people, splitting this up into three episodes. So this first one, and they're each going to be about 50 minutes, because, you know, otherwise it's, you're talking about a three-hour podcast. So the first one, the first chunk... Uh, are the first two uh, episodes we watched. The first episode is Fully Ado. That is a fantastic Vince Gilligan episode um, that uh, I just think is slightly sort of underrated. It doesn't really show up in best of lists at all. And it's in season five. So uh, we'll do that. Then the second episode is Home, which is obviously the Peacock Family episode, which is great. And then I do an interview with Glenn Morgan on stage. Um, This event was so much fun. The crowd was fantastic. And I just felt like energized the whole day. I didn't get tired at all. 
So, alright, so watch Foley Ado and then listen to this. I'm gonna get out of the way for your host, Mr. Kamal Nanjani. <laughs> Thank you for coming to this fucking thing. Um, this is uh, so awesome. And for some reason, uh, has been for me uh, extremely terrifying. Because the uh, good news, it's like good news, you get to host an X-Files marathon. Bad news, you have to pick six episodes. And I have had uh, so many meltdowns over this. It's been very, very difficult. I've been changing the order. If you look at my notebook, it's just lists of X-Files names, which as you know, there's just like Latin words in there and shit. And there's like in parentheses, why they, sh oh God, I'm freaking out again. So, so if you're like, why is this not shown? Go fuck yourself. 100% go fuck yourself. Because nobody has put more thought into this than I have. So if you have any ideas, go, sh shove them up your asshole. It's been so intense, and I, honestly, today I was like, <laughs> um, super nervous, I don't know why. I was trying out all my different X-Files shirts. <laughs> to pick one, and Emily, my wife, was laughing harder than I have ever seen her laugh in my life. And then I was like, I think my hair looks terrible. I think my hair looks really bad. And I heard her say, just whispering to, himself, to herself, oh, this is worth it, this is worth it. She was talking about the relationship as a whole, I think. She really was. Um, so this is uh, pretty fantastic. We're gonna show six episodes. Um, and then uh, in between every two episodes, we're gonna be uh, talking to various X-Files related uh, people, uh, which is gonna be pretty fucking exciting. I'm very excited to talk to some of these uh, folks. Uh, and then we're gonna end it uh, with a new episode that you guys have not seen, that nobody has seen. And uh, so it's six, and then that one, and I think we'll be taking, yeah, so I'll be coming up every uh, two episodes, and then, so for me, you know, I've been doing this X-Files podcast for a little bit, it's called X-Files Files. Fucking go listen to it if you haven't. It's, um, it's pretty, it's been pretty like a great sort of thing because then I got to be in an episode of the new season, which is terrifying on a whole other level um, because my fear is the episode's gonna be good. My fear is they're like, the episode's good, but that guy f sucks. <laughs> Why is he ruining? My biggest fear is ruining that which I love. And so I just am like, for another three weeks, it's gonna be terrifying for me because I've loved this show. It's like if you're in love with someone for 20 years, and then 20 years later, she calls you and she's like, let's hang out. And then you go, and she looks more beautiful than she ever has. And you, by mistake, end up murdering her. And you watch the light go from her eyes. And her last words are, why? That's if, if I suck on this, oh God. Okay, let's not explore that. So, um, we're just gonna, uh, and I'm, these episodes are not in chronological order. Uh, they're sort of, uh, I'll be, we'll be jumping around. Um, the first episode that we're showing uh, is an episode that I think is very underrated. It doesn't show up on like top, so it's a, it, this is a mix of like, 
really great sort of uh, uh, episodes that are my favorite, favorite episodes, and then some that are not, that I think are underrated or interesting for some reason. Um, so let's, uh, let's just uh, start watching. Okay, so now I'm gonna come back on stage, uh, talk a little bit about Foley Adu, and then we're gonna watch Home. And then after, uh, after you guys watch Home or however you wanna do it, after that, I come on and talk to Glenn Morgan. So, obviously, uh, that one is pretty fucking great. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I want, obviously wanted to show that one because that really gets to the heart of Mulder and Scully's relationship. You know, he says, you're my one in five billion as all the shippers jizz themselves. <laughs> how many shippers are here? <laughs> and how many are not shippers? <laughs> I'm with you guys as I get murdered. Uh, but that was a... Vince Gilligan wrote that one, obviously he created Breaking Bad, and um, I was at the X-Files premiere, and this is my story, my Vince Gilligan story. My it was the last episode of Breaking Bad, and my wife were, uh, and I were in Paris, and it, we, we were like, we had to stay away from Twitter, because we don't want to know what happens, no spoilers, and I was at the Louvre, because I'm very cultured, and... <laughs> And my wife and I were there, and I was like, we can't get on Twitter, and I look over, and I see a man in Paris at the Louvre, and I go, hey, I think that's Vince Gilligan. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I don't know. She gets on the Wi-Fi of the Louvre to see what he looks like, and I just walk up to him, and I'm like, hey, um, are you American? And he goes, yes. He's got a high voice. <laughs> And I said, are you Vince Gilligan? And he was like, fuck. <laughs> I can't get away. Um, and so then at the premiere, I walked, I was like, hey, I ran into you at the Louvre. He's like, yeah, I remember. Um, and I was like, I'm doing this marathon. He's out of town, so he couldn't come. But he, I was like, tell me something that I can tell him. And he said that the episode aired on Sunday, on, on Saturday, they were in, uh, they were doing all the special effects for the monster because he said the suit looked like really goofy, so they added like that weird like moving around thing. So they were doing that uh, the day before. Uh, and Madness Shared by Two, that's pretty great. Um, does anyone have any thoughts? Oh, I liked Skinner, because Skinner's like the, the dad who loves you and shows you through violence. <laughs> And I thought that was a fucking great Skinner episode, too, because he literally has to beat, beat up David. He's like, fucking, you're out of your shit, dude. Um, I thought that that was a really, really great moment, and I wanted to show that. And I was really hoping Mitch Pelleggi could be here, but he's, at, he's also he's in Texas, and he, he could not be here. But we do have, we do have guests. Um, so don't, every two episodes, we're gonna, sh we're gonna have a, a guest around. So just yell out when, when the next one is ready. Does anyone have any comments? What's a shipper? Um, what are you doing here? Security. Um, he is not one of us. Um, a shipper is, so it happened like, um, when the show was first airing, there were a lot of people who were hoping that Mulder and Scully, the characters, would get romantically involved, because they sort of had this really great, um, 
yeah, tension, and maybe it was sexual, maybe it wasn't, depending who you talk to. Uh, but so shippers are the people, relationshippers. Like uh, they wanted them to be in a relationship. And f from my experience, they also want not just the characters, but the actors <laughs> to be in a relationship. They want David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson to have sex. <laughs> and I think they, in their hearts, believe that that has already happened. <laughs> Um, are we are we ready? Yes, All right, so let's watch one more. Okay, so now uh, that's the first break in the marathon. At this point, you know, the marathon starts around noon. We start watching probably around twelve twenty. So this is about one uh, around two o'clock or two fifteen is our first break, and there's. They're, they're grilling and they're barbecuing and people are having drinks and it's already like such a great, great start to the day. Um, and then uh, wait for episode two. Bye. Right? Um, holy shit. <laughs> I've always wanted to see that with a full audience because that episode is like one of my favorite things ever. My, when Emily, my wife, and I were first dating, I was like, oh, you haven't seen much of the X-Files. Let's watch, let's watch this episode. And this was the first one I showed her. And when I was over, she was like, that was great. And I was like, marry me. And here we are. I have seen it so many times. Um, so uh, can we get another chair? Can we get two chairs up here, um, please? Because I, uh, we're gonna, very excited to um, what was while we're setting that up I was taking some notes yeah I think that episode I mean I've seen it this might be worrying but I have seen it many many times and it makes me happy like when I'm done watching it I'm in a better mood than I was prior to it because you know life can be bad but at least you don't have to fuck your mother All right, thank you. Um, so I am very excited to introduce uh, the, one of the writers of that episode. Please welcome to the stage, Glenn Morgan. Glenn Morgan, everybody. Look at that. Glenn's here! Um, dude, uh, thank you so much for coming. I, I, um, Do nice we get water yeah, here? No, no, this is an um, honor to be here. I've been here many times and it's still this silent movie theater and Darren will be here later. And yeah. it, uh, thank you that the applause was a little lower for him. Than <laughs> I would have I walked right out of here. Um, and uh, they don't, uh, they don't, so I have a few questions about that episode. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so uh, I, I really- You are the one in a better mood when you watch it. I, I really am, I really am. So I mean, I, ha I really have a lot of questions. Is there something you want to say about it before we sort of, uh, uh, to me, you know, oh, yeah. long, yeah. no, you go first, no. please, sir. <laughs> I've been talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, 
uh, we came back. Yeah, they were gone for season three, and then they yeah, come back did, for um, season four. Space of and Beyond. We came back, and we told Chris, we're doing four of them, and we're writing stuff for the cast of Space because that show got screwed, and we wanted the world to see them. And so initially, the three brothers were going to be like James Morrison and Rodney Rowland or something, but we couldn't do that to them. <laughs> and so uh, Tucker Smallwood, the sheriff, was the Commodore in Space of and Beyond. And... Um, it was a long way of saying, um, I think that, so and I just, sorry, I'm being very honest, because I just like sort of farted that out. That episode? Yeah, I just like wrote it. <laughs> and then went to England. So by the way, the fact that it wasn't thought through is scarier. Well, no. Because <laughs> that's just your subconscious, like, I must get out! <laughs> no, no, no. No, Jim and I worked it out. Yeah. And I wrote it pretty quickly, and then Kristen and I went, to England for a while and came back and now your wife yes yeah my wife right and um I have to t I have to answer for the show <laughs> but I think that really um it's made by Kim Manners yeah he directed it he's the director and he's and uh Karen Conival who plays the mother is uh, she's I, I you know I didn't I wasn't there and I hadn't met her and I did this um I did this movie called Black Christmas and I uh was um now, the applause should be for the Bob Clark Black Christmas. But, um, anyway, so I hadn't met her. And so she's at this audition. And I said, well, wait, wait, wait. You don't have to audition for me. I said, not a day in my life has gone by. Not a day, a month has gone by where I haven't had a talk about you. Wow. And she's like, oh, I feel the same way. I was at a dinner party, and these people are talking about that home episode. And she goes, I played the mother. And the lady goes, no. She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm hungry. And the lady goes, ah! I will say this episode also has a great pickup line, which is, you look fine. <laughs> That'll work at any bar in America. And uh, all the, uh, the editor, Michael Stern, was new to the show. He's the son of Leonard Stern, who uh, ran Get Smart back in the day. And um, we brought the, our standards and practices executive, Linda Shimatsuno. She <laughs> edited that scene with us. Oh. Because I'm like, okay, this is going to be tough. The Johnny Mathis. Uh, yeah. And she was like, so when all the letters came in, no one was more defensive of the show than Fox Sanders and Practices because she sat in the room with us. And she's like, no, not that. And then, or sometimes she would like, yeah, bash him two more times. I'm like, no, that's too much. <laughs> so, and finally, my only note from Vince Gilligan is, you know, it's called the War of Northern Aggression. Yeah. Because he's, he's a goddamn Confederate, Vince <laughs> So why are they in Pennsylvania? Because this was before the internet, and I had this map. And I wanted it to be called home. And I looked around, and there's a home about 90 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, which I shot a, the show Those Who Kill in Pittsburgh, and I was going to go there, but it's just the intersection. And I'm like, I'm not driving an hour and a half to go to intersections. So, but... But if they're the font on the side of the South... But that's a tricky... The, the, not to get into a history lesson, but if you go there, there's a, lot right. of, there's a lot of Confederates in Southern Pennsylvania. Oh, man. okay. Gotta, okay. Gotta keep an eye out for them. <laughs> so how, how did you... I mean, you said the standard and the practice per person sort of sat with you, but how did you initially... Like, did you guys... 
have to like tell Fox first, like, hey, we're doing an episode. This one's about family. <laughs> Do you have to like run it by them so it's not like, oh fuck, I wasted like five days writing a show about two kids <laughs> and their father who fucked the mother and now I can't do it. No, you know, uh, that, that show was pretty powerful at the time. And uh, we came back and uh, Frank and Chris came into our room. You know, we had this board and you had three by five cards and you had the story worked out. And so then there's this and then there's that and blah, 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 blah. And Chris goes, okay. And that was it. You went off and did it. <laughs> I, did, I did the script. I went to England. I come back and this guy, Charlie Goldstein, who's the head of production, a really good guy. I just get this phone call. Is you're sick. You're fucking sick. And then hangs up. <laughs> so. And like I said, I didn't think it was that. I saw Deliverance when I was 11 years old. This isn't bad to me. That isn't really bad. This makes Deliverance look like Deliverance. <laughs> I, I, I love, uh, you weren't, I don't think you were here yet for that Johnny Matt, the wonderful, wonderful sequence. Were you here for that? Uh, it can have, at the end. It was so silent here. It was so cool. That is, that whole sequence when they're driving up and doing that is one of my favorite things in anything ever. And I watch it with a smile on my face. Like, it's so, how, it's, a, you know, obviously the contrast with the song, with what's going on, and the fact that the sheriff's just laying there and you hear the song sort of get louder outside. Was there, how did you guys decide on that song? Like, what was the... Well, I love that technique. You're going to see that again this year. I'm very excited. <laughs> and, uh, I think, I, I, I think, to my experience, I tracked it down the first time is in The Birds, when she's out in the playground smoking a cigarette and the kids are singing that folk song or something. Uh, I know Spielberg did it in Close Encounters. I think it is Johnny Mathis. Chances are when the aliens are coming to get the little kid. And um, so I love that technique. My mom is a huge Johnny Mathis fan. I, look, I am too. Wait, <laughs> but did that you song dedicate that? Was this a tribute to your mother? <laughs> it's 25 years to get caught, man. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, no, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we come back from that, but let's I give it a shot. Um, so she would. You don't know, you know that when you pick those songs, there has to be, and I go through a lot of them. Yeah. There's a level of unspoken creepiness. This is a beautiful song. He has a beautiful voice. He's singing about being wonderful. But there's just something in there. I don't know if it's that whistle. There's just some creepy thing because I like go through. I'm like, oh, I should. Oh, and I, I've. I've written sequences like, this song would be perfect. And then when you get there, you're like, nah, it's just not, there's not an unspoken collective creepiness to it. Yes. And that song has it the best ever. And so. It really does. It's perfect because it's very sweet and, and fun, but there is that underlying like, oh, if there's some, someone is singing this to you, bad things are going to happen. <laughs> they're, they're singing it to the victims in their basement. You know, <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Um, I, uh, there was a, um, was this on, I never noticed this before, maybe because I haven't seen it on the screen this big. There was like a, looked like a Jason mask at one point. Was that, no, it's I, like a hockey, okay. We're in Canada. We shoot Canada. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's all, you know, Kim Manners. I remember, you know, Kim, I think if you guys are fans, everybody knows Kim Manners was like the most passionate, energetic, you know, he's about this big. And 
remember calling him up and going, look, oh, well, it was, I was really very influenced. Kristen, again, my wife had shown me this movie, Brother's Keeper, uh-huh. by Bruce and Joe, who yeah. just passed away this year. And um, uh, they, they, had a, they had a way, when they moved, it was oh, when they, you know, that was where I grew up in Syracuse, New York, that Brother's Keeper. Really? Yeah, Onondaga County. And they moved, when they walked down the street, like oldest to youngest. So oh, really? It was yeah, always so did in all order. That. And so I said, Kim, I want them... I want these guys to be like animal. They should look a little simian when they walk. And the dailies on like when the pigs escape, these guys are like, walking, like, <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing? You know? <laughs> so he had to cut that down. <laughs> but there's a lot of, I, to me, one of my favorite X-Files moments is in this, which is the, uh, oh no, Elvis dead. That, yeah, yeah. that thing, that's such a great joke at such a tense moment. Well, the Coveney is not an Elvis fan. Oh, it's not, not. not that he's not an Elvis fan, but he was always annoyed that we had made Mulder an Elvis fan. <laughs> so we put in Elvis jokes as much as we can <laughs> to annoy the shit out of him. That's good. <laughs> um, there's so much cool stuff. Like uh, uh, there is the Scully t- has uh, the uh, talks to Mrs. Peacock about you know, what she says, what it means to be a mother and stuff. And that's a really moving, kind of lovely conversation. And it's such a fucked up setup, but like Scully actually gets something from that conversation. You know, I don't sit around watching my episodes, but... um, I do. (laughs) I do. Seeing it here, there's scenes upcoming. I'm like, oh my God. That's with her mother. It's the same thing. So anyway, the one that we have coming up. It's called? Home Again. It's, it'll be the fourth of the new ones. It's sort of like the trilogy. <laughs> no, you know, I named it Home Again because I knew some sucker would fall for it. <laughs> they're, not, they're not in it. They're not in it. But it is, it is like part of the trilogy of like Scully's motherness. Yes. And... Um, and in fact, everybody, a lot of fans, not everybody, geez, fans talk about that bench scene. Fans oh, what will, a great scene They'll talk about is. bench talk. And the new one, episode four, and he was seen in the hallway, and I'm like, put him on a bench. It's the same posture. I, I took a frame grab, and I showed him. I'm like, and David's like this, and she's like this, to kind of homage. Well, not, you know, an homage to Kim, but also, like, it was interesting to... 20 years later, you know, we all go on vacations. We go to somebody's house, parent, family's house, and you go, wow, there's benchmarks in place so that shows you how life has changed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I'm, I'm not the immoral scum you thought I was. No. <laughs> I never thought you were immoral oh. scum. Honestly, that episode, to me, genuinely, it feels very warm, and it's because the bad guy, I know, I know, the... the <laughs> You see the bad guy's perspective. They're, they're, the bad guys, the good guys are the ones who go into the bad guy's lair first. The bad guys are taking care of their own. They're not gonna like, they're gonna protect their home and that. So they're like just acting in self-defense the whole time. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> but listen, I'm just saying, they, Mulder and Scully go into their house and they do. They do. I'm just saying that if Mulder and Scully don't go into their house, the sheriff is still alive. 
I th don't you think so? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but no, I, I agree with you. I think that um, it's sort of a... Yeah. I, that when, no, when you said family, and you know... The, it really is about family. It really is about home. family, and I think that's like, it's interesting when you say it makes you feel good. I think that there's... Uh, no, well, you know, 20 years of having, not having, it's not, it's not a tough thing, but to have people talk about it. Yeah. There's a... <laughs> you want your family to be that way. You want with if if someone's coming, you hope that they're there. You know, I mean, I hope you know keep your mom. You know, no, but that's kind of the deal, and it's not just like you know your family. Yeah. There's a work family. You know, Sopranos discuss this incredibly, yeah. and um, th and so that's what I get is that, um, and you know, I think you know this is not like a Pasolini movie or something where people are like really disturbed. They just kind of like, every, all of you guys at the end of that, I was in the back, everybody went like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. It really is. It's a really fun, it's a really fun episode. It also has one of the most badass lines, I think, ever recorded, which is, my right arm was torn off. Saw it sitting across my dead husband's lap. <laughs> yeah, you never forget that image, I guess. It's like, I have bad news and I have worse news. <laughs> But one of the things that, you know, X-Files um, has a few recurring themes, um, and uh, one of the themes that we see a lot on the show is that the, the sense of globalization and modernity sort, sort of uh, choking out these sort of weird little parts of America, and there's a sense to, you know, there's a, there's a feeling to sort of uh, think of uh, all that stuff nostalgically, and that's why I think you talk about, you know, Andy Taylor and stuff, but th this episode is about the flip of that. It's about the dark side of that kind of nostalgia, of those, of those little pockets. And even though there is a sadness, I think, to things getting more homogenized, I think you guys are saying that maybe that's not such a bad thing? <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, uh, you know what? I, uh, you know, on, on your, you talk about this about the show on your podcast, and that's like, I didn't, out for me. I talk about any of the other guys. Well, like, oh, yeah. The, you know, very often, like I was talking about my dad, the best monster is one that doesn't want to be one. Yeah. You know, uh, Lawrence Talbot was just walking through the forest minding his own business. He got attacked by a werewolf. So there is an understanding of the monster. And also that I, very often in these shows, it's, it's about the monster, the microbe, the alien, the thing is just here, minding its own business. Yeah. And we move into that space, yeah. and it does have an effect back and forth. So I do agree that that, you know. Yeah, it's sort of those dark corners pushing right. back yeah. against, you know, the, uh, the light of modern times. Uh, what a beautiful thing I just said. <laughs> Don't think about it too much. It makes no sense. <laughs> Um, does anyone have a question for Glenn while he's here? Anything about this episode or the X-Files in general? Um, Devin. Uh, this episode uh, is so intense and so creepy and so fucked up, but it's also really funny. Uh, and there's a lot of really great jokes in it. Uh, can you talk about sort of the process of figuring out where to put the jokes in a, an episode that's as intense and creepy as this and sort of making it all work together tonally? Thanks a lot. It was like really nice to hear the, the laughs. Uh, in the back, I've never. I'd hoped that they were there, but you know we don't get to see them from an audience. I, I think Is this it's the just first the... time we've seen that episode in front of an audience. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> I think it's just a gut feeling going through it when you're in there writing. I mean, I think um, the movies that I'm, I love The Exorcist, and the devil is the funniest person in that movie, you know? Um, uh, <laughs> that, you just scared the hell out of me. <laughs> but, oh, oh. Yeah, he's standing there in the back like, funny how? Funny how? Look at his penis, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what scared me. It's uh, yeah. so right there. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm older and I see things now, and I'm like, that's not happening here, is it? Uh, no, that's just you, Glenn. I think it's just a gut thing. Uh, you know, David and Jillian, David is a really great comedian. That's why he and Darren, I, I wish that he and Darren had a show. Before they shot it, it would be my favorite show of all time. And um, Jillian has a little different kind of humor, but, you know, she gets what's, you know, going on and stuff, and... Um, it's just kind of trying to find it sometimes. There's a lot of jokes probably been cut out on the editing room floor. And, um, you know, I think um, the more humor you have that you can work in there, it makes somehow, make, you know, comedy and horror, they, they go hand in hand. They're like brother and sister or something, you know? Yeah, it's, they're both sort of based on surprise. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And derailment kind yeah. of. Yeah. And um, I think that the, the, that's why I love the, uh, the uh, Elvis joke so much, because it's so Definitely. tense and it's going into a really tense thing. And right before it gets like super bleak, it's like, here. Yeah, right, yeah. Laugh. Yeah. Um, any other? Does anyone else? Yes. Um, I think I've read that there's a, a part of Charlie Chaplin's autobiography that maybe is, is that true? Are there other stories that factor into this? No, uh, well, um, Brothers Keeper, that documentary, if you haven't seen it, great documentary. Those guys are great. You know, they, they did the Memphis Three film first. Yeah. I will say, at, Brothers, you know how I said this puts me in a good mood? Brothers Keeper will not do that. <laughs> yeah, th those guys are great filmmakers. And um, so there was that. And in college, uh, someone, I read an article recently and someone really straightened me out because I totally remembered it wrong. Uh, but in Chaplin's biography prior to when he was touring musical, you know, vaudeville in Britain, um, he stays at a place, a tenement house, and there's a family there and they take a liking to him and they go, you know, we like you, we want, oh, let's show you something special. And they take him up to another room and it's just a, a room with a cot and a, a bare bulb and gas lamp or whatever it was back then. And uh, they start like, though they roll this, I thought it was a kid, but I've been, they roll a guy out on a cart who has, I thought it was no arms or no legs. And the family starts playing and, and the guy flops around and Chaplin is just horrified. <laughs> And when they're done, they put him down and put him back under the bed, and he gets the hell out of there. And I'm like, oh my God. But just for whatever it is, from 1980, I probably read that, and so this is 1997. And uh, we're in the room. I'm like, oh, I gotta do this. And it was a brother under the bed, and Jim Wong, you know, eating pork rinds goes, it's the mother under the bed. <laughs> and uh, as I said, I see Sigmund Freud and Joseph Campbell doing backflips at the idea. Right? <laughs> and uh, you know, and then just advancing the story, knowing that um, uh, Jillian 
and the you know the whole mother thing. The whole mother yeah. thing, yeah. Um, any other? Let's do. Yes. Uh, hey. Thanks. I mean, it is. It's my favorite episode, uh, and it's stunning. Still, I haven't seen it in ten years. The um, what didn't make it through standards and practices? <laughs> oh. What? The, um. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, there was another. There's a book called Dark Matter, Nature, and I, I wish I could remember the author. It's a pretty great book, and it was like basically, is nature immoral? You know, we all love the sea otters, but they gang rape. And, and so does a mallard duck. Dude, that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> Take that, SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah, SeaWorld is doing the Lord's work. They're the good guys. Yeah, right, yeah. They're imprisoning the sea otters, yeah. So, Do they uh, don't gang rape? <laughs> Do they? Yeah, yeah. They do have they're like mallard, full mallard ducks. Hands. Okay. Yeah. No, they're they're you know they're furry and cute, but they're bad motherfuckers. You know. So. so um, That's how I want to be described. <laughs> furry and cute, but a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, so yes, go ahead. Uh, oh, so that was so. If a bird is sick, the mother is out of the nest from the moment it's born. If it's sick and the mother knows it, out. And so that was the other thing, like, if you had a group of people that just behaved like we probably behaved in the Serengeti or how animals behave, that, that's the thing that I think people take much offense to. And so in the beginning, uh, they bury the baby, and it's a healthy-sounding baby. And um, the shot was, like, cameras in the hole. And the thing comes over, and it just goes to silence. It's just awesome. And so Linda Shimatsuno, who was our standards of practices, what you did back then, you went to this room over on the Fox lot that was fiber optically connected to Dave West, who did the mix sound mixing out of Burbank. And we're in this room, and that was it, and she was going to be there, and that baby better sound sick. So I don't know how you do like, <coughs> Wait, so her note was the baby, if it sounds healthy, that's bad, make it sound sick? Yes. That was the note. Because that was like, oh, we want people to understand it's a sick baby. Okay. Which, which is what it was. But, so that was the deal. And so there's a bunch of us in here. Jim wasn't there. And I'm like, this is the last push. And, and by that time, I was getting wind that this thing was like trouble. And so it was like the last... Was that shocking to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I've... I, I grew up on Hammer movies. I didn't think it was... Bad. So, um, so we're all in this room. And uh, we get it, Paul Rablin, who is the post-production guy. He uh, says, hey, I found this healthy baby thing, and I think it really works. I'm like, okay, before Linda shows up, I'm like, okay, play it. And we watch it, and it's like, oh, it's, it's on the DVD. There's a, I think is a deleted scene. I'm like, oh, 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 yeah, okay, wait, okay. I'm like, nobody talk. I got to figure this out. I got to work this out. So don't talk. So let me work this out with Linda. We're friends. Let me figure it out. And like, so I'm just like figuring this out. She shows up. She sits on the couch. I'm like, hey, Linda. Hey, you know, starting to schmooze her. Prior, I know what I'm trying to get out of her. I'm like, okay, let's um, let's start the thing. And the thing starts. And Kim Manners walks through the door. Who Kim was the toughest little really bar fights at Gerard up, up in Vancouver and stuff. He's like really, you know, and he was really passionate. He sits down, he's looking at the thing, and I haven't been able to say, 
And so they play this thing and the thing and the thing and the thing's born and the fork and the thing and the kid's like, ah! It's just like everyone in the room who's seen it 20 times is horrifying. And the thing and the cries and it shoveled, goes on the baby and silence like that and the room is just silent. And Kim Manners goes, that was fucking bitching! <laughs> and Linda Shimasuno goes, no. So I didn't even fight it. That's, it didn't, yeah. so that, that's what didn't make it in the, and it's in the deleted? It's in the, uh, yeah, I think it's on the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I think, uh, well, where do you think they are now? What is well, happening I had, today um, with the Peacocks? Uh, sorry, I, I, you guys have a lot of stuff to watch. I don't want to be, um, Jim and I ran Millennium, uh, Chris's other show, the next year. Thanks. Thanks. And um, the ratings weren't so good on that show, and I said, hey, Jim, why doesn't Lance find the peacocks? <laughs> and Jim goes, yeah. He gets on the phone, and he calls Peter Roth, who was the head of Fox at the time. Oh, it's, oh yeah, that was great. that's a great idea. And uh, I called Karen Conival, and we get her uh, dates. We're all set. We start to think about it. I get a call from Peter Roth, who said that the uh, News Corp, Fox, lobbyist in Washington called and somehow got wind and said, those characters never appear on television again. <laughs> so, so I like to think they're just driving around the country. Some of your favorite Motel 6, you know. <laughs> so. Just drive, drive through McDonald's and just yeah, yeah, like, right, yeah, 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 that's cool. Um, hey, wait, so hey, no, you know what? I want to make sure before I get out of here, you guys got and. Oh, they don't, they don't. I know. Okay, okay. I know. Um, they don't know any of no, the episodes. No, 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 no. I get this. No, I have two things here, if I may. Of course. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But, you know, I have a friend of mine, Julie Ng, who does the behind the scenes. Yes. She's not here. She's in Toronto right now doing the behind the... She's she finally got David and Julian to do a commentary together. So that'll be on the... Coming up. Yesterday, and uh, she says you got to listen to this guy's podcast. He really has good insights in the show. He's really funny. She knew that the funny would get me to listen. Might not not doing that. And then uh, Darren calls and goes, "This guy's really funny." By and the it, way, that's crazy. What? That, the idea that he would say that. Darren? Just because I am such a huge fan of you guys, and you know, it's well, even more so. Nothing's funny to Darren. <laughs> Darren, you know, he likes Silicon Valley. Before that, it was like the general. <laughs> Everything in between sucks, except for some Jerry Lewis, I suppose. But, um, and so I was in Vancouver working on the show, The Intruders, and I had downloaded the podcast. I'm driving to the airport, and I think you're talking about tombs and uh, squeeze, maybe. And um, I was really laughing, and I wrote and said, that was. I, I think that your insights into the show are just... Um, outstanding what you've done on the podcast you know uh if these six episodes are coming out you know certainly x-files news and um and, and frank spotnets and people that kept it alive and at a time you know there was about well we started working on it really really about a year ago but before then it was six months of on and off on and off and i think like what you did helped that momentum uh to get to the point where we can do those six shows, and um, uh, all of us, we're really thank you for what you've done. Thank you, oh my God, thank you. It's very, very, 
Very sweet of you to say. <laughs> oh, hey, no, and no, and no, he's outstanding. Uh, he did an episode with Darren this year. He's outstanding in the episode. I know he was a little anxious about it, but uh, I know you won't, but don't miss it. And okay, now, last thing. Oh, but uh, I want to oh, say ahead. how we, we met because um, I started doing the podcast and I noticed that there was always one person who was always like, not always, but would like say stuff that was cool and interesting. And I noticed that their avatar was, at one point you said like, we. And I was like, we? And I looked, noticed that their avatar was Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> and it said, at Glenn Morgan. And I was like, holy fucking shit, is this Glenn Morgan? I was like, is this Glenn Morgan the best writer of the X-Files? And you said, what I would oh, say, I was be the Vince best. Gilligan and Darren. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what were you going to say? That, that, um, we got in touch, yeah. Oh, no, but I knew when he said you should listen to this guy, and then I knew who you were, I knew that he was writing a part for you. Oh, you did? Right then, yeah. Oh, wow. But at that point, did you guys know that it might be coming back? Was there like something? Uh, I, 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 I knew for quite a while. Oh, but wow. But it was on and on again, off again. Yeah. You know, it's like, so. Uh, finally, um, you know, there's a lot. Uh, ep- uh, should, sorry, I got to say, it should be the second episode, but it's the fourth episode this year. And um, it is the kind of trilogy to Scully Never Again and, and Home and this and about motherhood and and all the things you talked about uh gentrification and things like that and um as he wrote for you uh, fox hasn't put this out i was like my oldest kids and i like enormous rancid fans and um i'm like i have four stitches from a mosh pit in san diego on my head and i was like i would look up and i go wow that tim armstrong he's interesting and i wrote this part like with him in mind, kind of a Banksy-ish kind of thing. And I wrote with him in mind, and um, when we're done, I wrote, I I figured out who the manager was, and I write this letter, very professional, blah, 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 what have you been interested, blah, 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 blah. And then I just sat back, I'm like, man, um, this could be ruined for my my kids and I. If, If he's a dick or this turns out bad. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't send this. I just like, boop. And like 15 minutes, I get this email. Hey, from the manager. Oh, this is the email. I go down to the studio, and I meet him. And um, there's a mutual love for Universal Monsters and Joe Strummer. And um, <laughs> and uh, Kristen and my daughter, we go down, and we just beat the shit out of him with a camera. And he auditions, and he gets the part. And, um, you know, if you don't know, Tim is like one of the founders of Rancid and Operation Ivy and the transplants. He's overseeing, like, fathering this new young band, uh, The Interrupters, uh, Grammy-winning producer of Pink and Jimmy Cliff and an artist and on and on and on. And he came up. And, and Fox Felicity just doesn't understand that this band is playing Coachella in April. And anyway, so I'm here. I can't. In front of all you guys and all your listeners, you know, he's right, he's right there. He had to come over. Give him a hand. He really didn't have, he, was, he didn't have a lot of experience acting. 
uh, at that level. And he's a fan of the show. He told me that when Rancid toured in the old days, they only watched X-Files on VHS. It was the only thing they could all agree to watch. <laughs> and um, I was just terrified. You know, it was David and Julian are big stars. They are. And Tim was pretty new, and we're all keeping an eye on him. In the middle of the day, uh, Duchovny, I'm not supposed to call him that. He gets mad at me for the David. But Duchovny says, uh, hey. And he points, he goes, I go, oh, no. And he goes, <laughs> Look, on, uh, we're the fourth episode coming up, yeah. and he did a great job. So. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks for coming. Um, so we're going to take, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break for just a couple minutes, walk around, stretch, use the restroom. We'll come back and watch more X-Files. Hi, guys. Do you like drinking wine but feel like you know nothing about it? Do you like to complain and then soothe your woes with wine? Because if you do, we have a solution for you. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. I'm Ellen Clifford. And we host The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. Every week, a funny person wines to us, and we get them smashed up, drunk, booze, liquored. Yeah, it's kind of like Drunk History meets Wine for the Dummies book. Right. We give them a wine education. Yeah, and... it's like a boozy study hall. Right. So, for instance, Brian Sophie, he had problems with people who hated Real Housewives. So we paired that with a Finger Lakes, or is it Fingering Lakes, rosé. Yeah, and Charlie Sanders and Camille Knox wanted to whine about people who whine on L.A., so we brought them a wine made in downtown Los Angeles. You'll see how it works. So if you want to laugh and learn about wine, check us out, boardwalkaudio.com slash the wine situation. Always wine with an H. And anywhere you get your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher. Apple Podcast. Is outer iTunes. Space. All over. So uh, pour a glass and tune in, guys. Cheers. Cheers. I just-